hey, this is Jimmy Primo's, Primo's Honey, and I want to tell you, whenever you want to learn the latest and greatest products and tactics for being successful in the turkey wood, you can't beat the Turkey Hunter Podcast with Andy Galliano. <laughs> Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting, and also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 28, Using Turkey Decoys with Jimmy Primos of Primos Hunting. We are now halfway through turkey season in Alabama, and shots are being fired and turkeys are flopping around here now. They're starting to loosen up and get away from the hens for a little bit, and late morning hunts are being pretty productive. So it's getting to be the right time of year, and it's getting to be a lot of fun. I killed another turkey Friday with my friend Todd, and then he and I went again Tuesday morning together, and I called one in for him. So now I have killed two turkeys so far this year. I have called in two turkeys, and I have missed one. So I've had a very productive season so far. It's been a great year. The turkeys are playing nice to an extent, as much as turkeys can and will play nice. And this is what it's all about. You know, I basically live the other 10 and a half months for this month and a half of the year. It's just what gets me going. And it's my release. It is my vice. And there's nothing I love more than getting into the spring woods after a gobbling turkey. And I know you guys feel the same way. And with that being the case... I want to get into this week's episode with Jimmy Primos and get you guys some good information that you can use this season to harvest another turkey or two, hopefully. Jimmy's a very nice guy. He's very funny. It's very informative interview. Using decoys is something that I don't do a whole lot of. And so I learned a great deal during this interview as well. Before we get into this episode, be sure to tune in at the end of the episode where we have another question for Ask the Turkey Hunter. This week's question comes from Matt Kinzer in South Carolina, and I'll get into that question right after the interview. I hope you guys enjoy the show as much as I've enjoyed doing it, and I look forward to seeing you on the other side. This week I'm excited to have on the line with me a gentleman that I know you'll recognize. I have the extreme pleasure of introducing Jimmy Primos this week as our guest where we're going to talk about using turkey decoys this spring and how to improve our chances in the turkey woods by using decoys. 
So we're going to jump right on in here to the interview with Jimmy. Jimmy, how are you today and where are you? Andy, I'm, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. You know, as we said, I was on the way to Mark's Outdoors in Birmingham to do their big spring grand opening. I'm riding down to Mississippi Highway 20, so it's a good time to be able to talk to you. Well, good deal. Well, I'm glad uh, to have you on the show. Well, thank uh, you. Uh, you know, and I started hunting turkeys. I, 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 I hesitate to tell you when, but I was back in college, 1966. And my roommate was from Macomb, Mississippi. And we didn't have a lot of turkeys in, in Mississippi at that time. But very, very few. Had a very short season. People, I mean, just one of our turkeys. Nobody hunted them. And my room, my roommate had some land down there in Pike County, around Liberty, mm-hmm. Pike County, old home of Lynch Boxstall back in those days. Right. But yeah. anyway, they had some huntable population turkeys. So uh, he started taking me down there and. That was 1966. I don't think I killed a turkey until about 1972, but we sure hunted them. Yeah. Were there a good number of turkeys in that part of the state at the time? Because I know Mississippi's probably like Alabama. There were only little pockets of the state that had turkeys, and the ones that had them had a few, but still, you know, not not anything like today. There there were, uh, like I said, a, a good huntable population of turkeys they had trapped some, you know, and relocated them in different areas of Mississippi trying to, you know, get more more of them involved. And that was really just when, you know, there weren't a lot of turkeys really in the United States. They That was part of, you know, MWTF. They got started in the late 70s, and, you know, we owe a lot to them because they helped, helped us get turkeys all over the United States. And, and Mississippi was doing the same thing. And so there were enough to hunt. I'll put it like that. There never enough turkey, but there were enough to hunt back then. There you go. That's about right. I think you hit the nail on the head. There's never enough of them. Of course, people on Long Island and New York may disagree with that. Yeah, especially never enough two-year-old turkey. (laughs) The uneducated one. I'm with you. I agree again. Well, I wanted to get you on the show today and talk to you a little bit about decoys. And, you know, I've hunted with decoys in the past, but I don't use decoys a whole lot. And I've told people that just where I hunt, is mostly woods. We don't typically have a lot of time to get decoys set up, and I have probably scared just as many gobblers using a decoy as I have actually brought in a gobbler using a decoy. And so I'm looking forward to learning a little bit from a decoy expert, somebody who uses them a good bit and knows the different situations and, and the different setups to use in those different situations. And so I'm looking forward to picking your brain a little bit and learning a great deal about decoying myself because I'm I'm not by any means an expert on a whole lot to do with turkey hunting, but I am way far from an expert when it comes to using decoys. So I'm looking forward to this, and I appreciate you coming on with us today. Yes, sir. Well, you know, I want to say I'm not an expert on anything, and I'm sure my wife will agree on that. But (laughs) if I remember right, Alabama has not legalized turkey decoys very long. Is that correct? That is true. I believe we were the last state to legalize decoys, hunting with turkey decoys. And, and, and to me, that implied that the state of Alabama or the officials who ever make the rules thought decoys would be an unfair type advantage, I, you know, which uh, I don't consider that to be the case. I remember back when I first started, the first turkey decoy I had, and I guess it was back in the 70s, 
it was a real big, hard-bodied, bulky thing. You couldn't, you know, it was just, it was a solid decoy, heavy. And I bought it, and I think I left it in the truck more often than not because it was so hard to carry around. But, right. you know, as, as decoys progressed and technology progressed, then you had the bone-type decoys that, you know, could fold up and made it much more easy to carry. You put them in your turkey vest, didn't weigh much. Problem is, they didn't hold up very well. But and they didn't, you know. Sometimes you'd unfold them and they'd be all crooked, bent. Right. Couldn't get them, you know, shape right. Then decoys now, golly, I, I mean, they progress right on up to the point where people are using real taxidermy mounted gobbler decoys or hen decoys where they're legal. So right. they come, they come a long, long way. And then, and then there's some crazy looking decoys out there now that you think, yeah. you think would be absolutely ridiculous that a turkey would respond to. So, you know, there's all kinds. And I want to say that, that we're a little bit different in, what we, in the way we hunt them. And people need to understand, you know, when we're videoing turkeys, they ask, you know, you get a go- big old gobbler come strutting into a decoy, and we start cutting at him at 15 yards, that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah. you know, why in the world are you doing that? Why are you waiting to shoot him? But we're trying to get some entertainment. And so it's frustrating. But sometimes a gobbler will come in that we could have shot. we got to let him walk off because he didn't do nothing. You know what I mean? So right. the, the decoys have really been a, a big aid in us to, to capture turkeys' reactions and spots, getting them positioned where the camera and, and the hunter are in line, and you can get all, you can capture all the action. So we, we've been using decoys a lot. Like I said, I'm not an expert, but I have used them a lot. I've, I've made a lot. I've learned from mistakes that I, we have made in the past. I've, and, you know, we produce a line of decoys. We started off with B-Mobile, and we got the latest one, Chicken on a Stick. We'll talk, I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But mm-hmm. I'm like you. Sometimes a decoy will get you a bird that you weren't going to get, and sometimes they'll cost you a bird that you would have got if you hadn't been using a decoy. So they're by no right. means anything extraordinary or surefire. Right. Yeah, and you mentioned it, and I've actually got it here as one of my questions to ask you, so I'm going to skip way ahead on my list. Do you think that the consumer is driving the market with all these advancements in turkey decoys, or do you think that the turkeys have gotten harder to decoy, or do you think it's a combination of both? I think consumers, and by that I mean, since we're talking about turkeys and turkey hunters, Mm -hmm. will pretty much try anything that they think will make them successful. Nowadays, TV, the Internet, drives a lot of innovations in how we hunt. Back when I started hunting turkeys in Mississippi in the 60s, there was nothing about turkey hunting, how to hunt them, how to call them. There were very few turkey call manufacturers. There were a lot of people that made calls in their workshop, you know, or as a hobby. Uh, you had the lynch boxes and one or two other box call companies that been around for years. But you opened them up, and there was really very little, all right, you do a club, you do a purr. You know, there wasn't much education back then. Now there's mm-hmm. a whole plethora of educational ways to get how to hunt turkeys, how to use calls, how to use decoys, the new and latest and greatest things. Everybody stays so well connected today. You know, that cell phone you caught, I'm just, you know, you, you're connected everywhere. What you know, YouTube, you pull it up, you All ask right. it a question, and bam, here you go. So, and then, of course, the consumer is going gonna, is gonna to be the final determiner of what real, what has value, and what's going to be around for a while. I mean, there have been things come out, I'm not going to mention any names, but like a dog whistle. You know, you blow that, you make a turkey gobble. 
things like that, that that's just fly-by-night hype. And they have no, just they don't work or didn't work usually, but they stirred people's imagination. And I don't know how many a product like that people will buy, but they do because they want to try to, the new, latest, greatest, something that's going to make them successful in, 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 their, in their hunt. Right, yeah. I think we're all that way to an extent because we don't like going out in the woods and not having success, just everybody's definition of success is different. So, you know, and, and you know, too, Andy, success sometimes is not just about killing a turkey. Being out right. there in God creation on a beautiful spring day with birds and everything, flowers blooming and the woods starting to really come alive from the long winter. And you can't enjoy that and, and or only feel successful when you actually pull the trigger on a gobbler and harvest it. You're missing a lot of the, the real joy, to me, of turkey hunting. I agree 100%. And I think the majority of people listening to this show feel the same way. That's for sure. What are some of the major determining factors as to when we should choose to use decoys in choosing a setup? You know, I know that probably going to use a different setup for early season than you'd use for late season, aren't you? What are some of those factors? Well, let me say this, that my feeling is that turkeys go through stages during the spring turkey season. A lot like, say, deer go through different stages during the fall hunting season. It's not all the same with them. Usually, early on in, the, say, you know, and gosh, it seems like our turkey seasons are starting earlier and earlier. I think, uh, what, y'all start March 14, 15, something like that. Ours in Mississippi starts about the same time. You know, I, I have found that decoys are the least effective during the early season. And then use, you know, like my past event, usually sometime around the end of the first week of April for the next two or three weeks, I've had real good luck with decoys. And then toward the end of the season, I've had a lot more luck with decoys and and how I use them. But I vary. Sometimes you set out a hen, and that's what I would do in the early season. Middle of the season, I I start using more of a, a gobbler hen combination of decoys mm-hmm. and then in the late season i really had best luck with a jake decoy oh. a half strut or a front jake so i don't use the same decoy or set up the whole season and sometimes just you know we always talk about will and i taking a turkey picture sometimes no matter what you use turkey's gonna shy away from it. so right. in that case you just put them up for a while and try something else go something different right so Let's talk a little bit more in detail about some of those situations, some of those scenarios that you've thrown out there and what exactly how you're going to set those turkeys up. So early season, when those gobblers are still in their bachelor groups before they've split up and kind of claimed their territory of hens, so to speak, you said you don't typically like to use a decoy then, but if you do, you said a hen decoy, but are you using a lone hen or how? what are you typically doing there? Usually a single hen decoy put in a, a place where, you know, it's very prominent where they can see it. And and I'll tell you, to me, everybody's trying, well, you know, everybody, all the decoy companies trying to get more realistic. But right. to me, that's to attract the consumer. You know, the paint jobs and the hen coloration, mm-hmm. the head coloration and all that, that's more eye candy for the consumer. Man, that looks like a, a turkey. And they do, and they do. But to me, the posture of a decoy is more important in how I use it. You know, you've got you've got decoys that are say a hen decoy that the uh, head is straight up, turkey standing like straight up. Well, to me, that's a an alert or even a danger 
posture for a hen to be standing straight up looking. I really, right. I really prefer the more uh, like the walking hen or even the feeding hen type posture for early season when I'm using just a single hen. All right. So there are those turkeys that are up and looking, those decoys, I should say, that are up and standing straight up and looking. So you're just going to shy away from those pretty much all the time then, aren't you? No, he's not. Yeah. I just, uh, I've had bad luck with it. You know, there's so many factors. Nobody can really tell us what a turkey is seeing or scenting. They see colors. I know mm. in a gobbler decoy, I prefer a gobbler decoy that the head is more white. Right. versus a head that's got a lot of red in it. I've just had better luck using a gobbler decoy that's got a predominantly white. You know, they have a little red in there with the waddles and all that, but a predominantly right. white head. To me, I don't know, I don't have anything to prove it, but a turkey fixates on something on that decoy. He, once he sees it, sees the shape, he starts looking at something. Usually, I think it's the head of a gobbler. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, plus, of course, posture, but mainly the head. And the white of, of a turkey head, to me, means he's got a hen close by, he's displaying for, and it's a mating-type coloration. Right. And early season, when the, the turkeys are in the bachelor group, you know, they do a lot of strutting, they're establishing their pecking order, but they're, they're very competitive with each other. It's like a bunch of young teenagers or whatever. They're just mm-hmm. real competitive. Picture a girl at, say, uh, Applebee's at the bar, and there's three or four guys that want to meet her. You know, there's a little competition there. Same with turkey. Right. And uh, so uh, they, they, a lot of times they'll come in and all will be strutting together and uh, to display for that heat. So early season, that's why I prefer just a plain hen and either the walking. I've really been using more of the feeding position. And I put the decoy up a little bit where a real hen would have trouble feeding. It would be so high it couldn't touch the ground, but the turkeys see them better, and turkey don't know what a hen's doing. I mean, really, so right. that's far. So, anyway, I want them yeah. to see it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well then, how about kind of between that early season, mid-season, and I know this varies depending on really when the season starts for most people as far as how far into the breeding season the season has started, the turkey hunting season has started. But how about when those gobblers have split up and are with their hens, what kind of that, a decoy setup and yeah. position are you going to use at that point? Yeah, that to me is usually, the, usually, and I say the word, I underline usually, the hardest part time to be successful on getting the turkey in because they are split up. The dominant gobblers will have their hens with them. So, you know, that that's a very it's a very difficult time for honors, very frustrating time. And, you know, you gotta experiment with things, decoys, calls that will make it work. A lot of times in the middle of the season when the when the gobblers are with the hens, you're really calling more the hens than you are the gobbler. I use aggressive hen calling and stuff like that. And I'll use a decoy, a hen decoy, more in like the walking posture to kind of add a little realism to the hens, to my, you add realism to my calling. And right. I, I don't know how many times I've called hens in that come in aggravated. Hens have a pecking order too. You have the hen that kind of leads the flock. I don't know if she's the mama or what she is. I, I assume she is. And uh, she's protective of her family. She's protective of her territory. And they'll come in to run that strange hen off, especially if they if that strange hen is talking smack to her, you know? Right. So, yeah. and, and then, of course, hopefully the gobbler will, will follow along with the rest of the hens. You know how that gobbler usually is at the back of the hen because it's going to come in last. 
Yeah, um, yeah. They get they get focused at that point in the year, don't they? They are one hundred percent. All their attention is towards that. They really block do, of and, women. And, and you know they they'll gobble the lease too. You know, of course, turkey gobbles to attract hens when he's already got hens. I mean, you can get a shot gobble out of them or whatever, but you know when they're strutting and everything, usually they don't do a whole lot of gobble when they're with the hens. Right. Okay. So. How about kind of that mid-season time when the gobblers are hinned up early in the morning and then those hens start to slip off mid-morning, midday, and go lay an egg or sit on a nest? What are you doing at that point decoy-wise? Decoy-wise, and I try different things. I do, you know, I'll use a jake and a hen or I'll use a strutting gobbler and a hen, you know, do some light calling, not not a whole lot. I'm uh, not like my cousin Will who calls too loud and calls too much. I, you know, <laughs> midday, I do, I, you know, just some blood, some yelps, and uh, that sort of thing. And uh, I'd usually use a stakeout blind or a, uh, you know, double bull. You know, we make double bull blinds, you know, a hub right. type blind. Because a lot of times those gobblers midday will kind of sneak in on you. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can just, you go to scratch your nose and the gobbler's right there. So you can get away a little bit more. I, I, I try a lot harder to be concealed. To me, it's not the funnest part of turkey. The funnest part to me is going to a goblin turkey in the morning, right. usually, or whatever, or getting one fired up whenever during the day. So, but sometimes they, they're just not in that tight mode. So you do what you got to do. So I'll try to be better hidden. And, and like I said, I usually use a, a gobbler and a hand. Okay. He'll be a he'll be in a beating type posture. All right, and that gobbler is going to be a strutting gobbler. He's going to be a strutting gobbler. Them old turkeys, they'll get in their strut zone, and I've seen them, and they'll just strut and strut for hours, never make a sound, never make a right. sound you can hear. And one thing about a turkey, he doesn't he doesn't have a watch. He's not on any schedule, so he can just pretty much do whatever he feels like doing. Unlike us, so you just got, you know you just got to understand that. Stick with it. Yeah. Now, how are you placing those decoys when you get to where you're using multiple decoys, like that mid-season situation that you were talking about? So you've got that strutting gobbler decoy and a hen or maybe two hens also with it. How are you placing those decoys in relation to each other, and how far away are you placing them from you? Well, let me start with how far. I, I put them about 15 to 20 yards. I put them kind of, I offset them. Usually, to my, I'm right-handed, so I offset them to my right. I don't put them directly in front of me. I'm sitting on a tree. I put them off to one side. Mm-hmm. I always position the gobbler facing the hen, and I position the gobbler where, say, it's a strutting gobbler decoy, where I think I put the rear end of the turkey facing toward where I think the gobblers are going to come from. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I the think, yeah, I've seen so many gobblers when they come to a gobbler decoy, they're gonna they're gonna approach it from behind. You know, you can get up on a strut gobbler, a real gobbler. He's fanned out, especially people at bow hunt. They know that that turkey's vision is blocked. About the only time a turkey's vision, the gobbler's vision is blocked is by his fan. So I think right. the, the real gobblers, when they approach a strutter, uh, they're gonna do the same thing. They're gonna try and sneak in on it. So by doing that, I'm hoping to get the gobblers to come in you know, where they'll give me a, a good shot. Okay. So then basically in that setup, you've got the hen facing away from you, the gobbler facing towards you, and kind of offset from the hen. 
Well, I'll angle the hen in like relative to where the gobbler is. Usually, I'll put okay. the hen at about a forty-five degree angle away, you know, away from the gobbler decoy. And sometimes I'll use more than one hen. It's almost getting like duck hunting where you get all these decoys. It gets to be a lot, but the thing you can do to add realism to an area, the better off you are. And like I said, sometimes you're better off one hen, two hen. You know, we hunt a lot. When, like I said, the turkeys go through different stages during the season, and uh, mm-hmm. you've just got to be ready to change and adapt with whatever they're doing. Right. Well, and speaking of that change, I guess the last really situation or scenario that I have for you is late season when those gobblers are mostly alone and they're starting to kind of wrap up the breeding season. You mentioned that you would use a jake and a hen at that point. Is that right? Yeah, I like a a strutting jake or a half strut jake during that period. You know, it's just something about it. I don't know what, obviously, I've had good results from his gobblers come into it. Uh, you know, gobbler, he can't, normally he can't stand a strut jake anyway, but right. I've had more luck with that versus a, another strutting gobbler type decoy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'll put and a you... hen, I'll put a hen, usually a hen in a walking position. I won't use the stake. I'll set the hen on the ground, you know, like in the uh, hen breeding type position, but her head will right. be up versus down. Because still, you want the gobbler to see it uh, and uh, make a little scenario there for, you know, along with the calling to get them to come in. Okay. And in that case, with when you're putting the hen on the ground to imitate one that's not necessarily in that breeding position, but probably fairly close to it, you're not using the hen to attract or bring that gobbler in. You're using that Jake decoy because that's the one he's going to see at that point I, in the year I, I when use, the grass is tall and cor- that kind of stuff. And, correct. I use that, that Jack decoy to get their attention, get them to come a little bit closer, whatever. Because, you know, these turkeys in late season, usually they've been called to hunting a little bit, so they're mm-hmm. a little more wary. And then I use that hen to say, you know, when I'm hoping that gobbler coming in and saying, well, there's a Jake over there, I guess it's a Jake. What's he strutting about? Oh, there's a hen right there laid down. Wow. I'm going to go chase him off, and I'm going to get that hen. Because I'm looking right. for hens that have not gone off the nest that are ready to breed. And if you try to just use a hen in a mating position, it's going to be kind of hard a lot of times for the gobbler to see it. So I'm just doing things in my mind that I just like that I try to change things and make them more tell a story to the gobbler right. that I'm trying to call in to shoot. Right, yeah. Are you using pretty much basically as far as where they're facing and everything, the same setup that you do with the strutting gobbler come mid-season? Uh, yeah, pretty much, 15, 20 okay. yards. Once they fixate on that decoy, you can move better. You can, If you have to, you can get away with a lot mm-hmm. more. I don't know. I think there's a zone around a gobbler when he's coming into a decoy like that that he's really focused in that they're totally – their attention is just within just a very small radius of where they're standing. At least that's been my perception as, as I've hunted them over the years. Yeah. Well, now I want to go back to the early season setup where you're talking about using a hen that's in that feeding or walking position. Where are you setting that hen up in relation to you, and how how are you setting up the hen as far as where she's facing? Because I don't think we covered that. I think we covered it in the other two well, setups. Well, you know, we didn't of course, you got the lone hen. You're talking about what, how, how far and all that from you? And well, all. yeah, you're probably still going to set her up the same distance, aren't you? About yeah, 20 I yards mean, from you. And, yeah, you got to, you know, you want to be within shotgun range. And a lot of times, you know, you got to remember a gobbler, 
normally expects the hen to come to him. Mm-hmm. It's more unnatural for the gobbler to come to the hen. I remember a hunt in South Mississippi we did last year. It was middle of the season, and it was one of those times, it was one of those crazy times. The decoys were not, we were hunting mainly wood, and we got on some gobblers. turned out there was three of them, and they were on the edge of a field. We got around behind them, and to me, how you position yourself in the woods is one of the most important things. It beats high. You know, whether you're a good caller, good shot, use 100 decoys, the most important right. thing is how you set up on a turkey. Right. So we got around behind these turkeys. They must have spit, drummed, and gobbled for two hours at, I would say, 75 to 100 yards from where we finally set up on them. Mm-hmm. And we just did the light calling every once in a while, the little scratching in the leaves, did not even use a decoy because... I didn't want them turkeys to hang up out of gun range. And right. so we did the jump up, run back 50 yards, call. You know, in the woods, you can get away with more stuff like that when the turkeys yeah. are out further out in the woods. We did everything we could for two hours. And just finally, those gobblers shut up, but they were coming to us. And they were coming to us heads up. They were looking. They just finally decided, well, she's not coming to us. We're going to go to her. That was not a time I wanted a decoy out there because mm-hmm. if they see it, you know, out of gun range, especially when there's more than one gobbler, it, you can blow everything. Right. So decided not to use the decoy. We hadn't had much luck with them. It's one of those times that cost us more gobblers, more turkeys than they helped us get. So that's just being able to recognize yeah. what time of the season is and how the what the turkey temperature is. Right, yeah, and that's something that comes with experience and getting in the woods and trial and error and making mistakes and seeing yeah. what does work, so just what you yeah. said. There's so many variables in a turkey. You never know really what they're seeing, believing, or whatever. If you're in a if you're in an area like up in New York where Quaker Boy calls, they are real popular and everybody's blowing a Quaker Boy, you might want to try a Primo's or a, a bunch of, you know, something different. you got to be... Being different to me is very important to be successful in turkey. Right. Well, I've heard some people say in those single hen setups that you want that hen facing away from where that gobbler is approaching. Is that is that what your yeah. experience is? So yeah, yeah. B- because of what you said, because if you have that, that hen decoy facing where the gobbler is coming from, then the gobbler knows that that hen should be coming to him. Right. And he's just going to bust into a strut and start displaying for her to attract yeah. her. So, you know, hopefully what he's going to think her face away, well, she doesn't see me. She, maybe she's deaf. She can't hear me. So I'm going to tiptoe over there and let her get a good view of me, a good shot of me, and uh, right. let her see me. Yeah, I guess when turkeys start getting cell phones, we're going to be in a lot of trouble, aren't we? We're not ever <laughs> going to be able to kill one. Yeah, no doubt. Or run out of smell. Yeah. I want to talk briefly, it's okay with you, about a new type of decoy that... A lot of people are having luck with it, like several companies besides us that have them, and that's a fanny-type decoy. You know what right. I'm talking that's, about? I do, and you know, it's it's funny that you're bringing that up because that is the next question I have for you, so I, I want to hear you go right ahead and explain well, you know, it to those people I, I, who don't I, I, know what it is. I must have ESPN with you, huh? <laughs> you <laughs> must, you must. But, you know, there may be some people that don't know what that is, so explain that, and I would absolutely 100% love your, your thoughts on that. Okay, well, fanning decoy is one that you hold in your hand, it's usually not a full-body decoy. It's mainly just a head, a chest, and a fan. And we had a guy that we had hunted deer hunting with 
submit this idea or submit a sample to us willingly. Mm-hmm. And, man, it scared me to death when I saw it. I said, you talking about I'm, I'm supposed to hold this thing out there and wave it around? I said, somebody's going to shoot my rear end off. And that is, a you know, a consideration. But then that guy, so I, we said, no, we ain't interested now. We don't want to get anybody hurt. Of course, we don't. And he said, well, why don't you come up here? And he was in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. He said, why don't you come up here and hunt with me? And so me and Brad Ferris, Will didn't go, but me and the other video guys we had time, we all loaded up, drove to Nebraska. It was, our season was over. It was first May, and it was toward the end of Nebraska season. Right. And we had had them turkeys beating our brains out and all around in Mississippi, especially all season. So we were ready to get the payback. So we drove up there, and he had this old decoy. He had one of our Jake decoys. He cut it in half, built it up full of foam, put our fan on it, put a snake on it. And we had the most, some of the most exciting turkey hunt I have ever been on up there. And wow. what we would do, one of us would, we'd hunt in pairs, or actually we'd hunt three because we have a cameraman with us. Cameraman don't do much. But we, you'd have the hunter and you'd have the guy holding the decoy and you'd crawl, you'd get to one side of the hunter and you'd crawl out there. And of course, Nebraska had a lot of field gobblers, field turkeys. Right, right. And they don't have a lot of big woods like we do in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. But we'd get out there, and the, and the guy with the decoy would just kind of wave it. Just, you would position the head away from the gobbler, where all you really see is the hand, and you just kind of turn it in your hand, where every once in a while it gets a little view of the head. And, uh-huh. I, Andy, I'm telling you, we had gobblers leave him at 400 yards and come strutting into that decoy. And wow. we and finally, it got to be such, you know, the only challenge was how close could we get them. Our guys started talking about, well, I'm going to grab me a turkey. I'm going to yeah. grab one by the leg. I said, well, good luck. That's going to tear you up. But, uh, I mean, it got to be, I mean, it was that good. Here, here you are laying on the ground, a turkey at three or four steps, and not see the guy holding the decoy. One time, we were going to a turkey, walking through some cedar trees, and the only way we'd get there was go through a gap in the cedar trees, and there wasn't no way to hide. I mean, maybe if you got down and crawled through the mud, you could have turkeys that, that we were going to in the field. There were two gobblers. Wouldn't have seen us. We just put that banding decoy up in front of the first guy's face, got real close to him, and walked through that gap, and those turkeys never saw us. So they saw that decoy, and there's going to be people tell me I'm telling a lie, but that's the honest truth. We got it on video. They never alarmed or anything, and then we got in there, got through the tree, set up, and caught both those gobblers in and shot shot both of them. Wow. And, of course, you've got to be careful when you, but more and more people get shot probably turkey hunting than any other sport. I know up north, especially where there are a lot of hunters, all in St. Woods, same time, Yankee, you know, what can you say? A lot of people yeah. get shot turkey hunting. But you got to be careful anytime you use a decoy of any kind, deer decoy, turkey decoy. You got to know your surroundings. You got to know who, where you are, and you got to be careful. But I, I'm telling you that that was just seeing it happen and how well it worked. You know, field turkeys. Everybody says, "How do I hunt field turkeys?" That's the hardest turkey there is in the world. But when you can call them like that and using that decoy, call a little bit, get their attention, and then that's it. You just fan them. Just I mean, like I said, it's the most exciting thing I've done in a long time now. People in Alabama, Mississippi, oh, that ain't going to work down here. Well, it, it does work. It'll work. My good friend, Michael Waddell, he came to Mississippi, and he did that uh, real close to a place we hunt in Mississippi. And, man, he was he was knocking them dead. So it worked all over. You know, mm-hmm. anything new, when you try something new on a turkey, it, you have a lot better success the first one or two years, a call, a decoy, you know, whatever. 
And right now, this thing is hot. People all over the United States are trying it, and it's not for everyone. There's going to be some older guys like me that are not going to want to try it. But right. I, I guarantee you, you show a turkey hunter how that it'll help make them successful, it'll change your mind quick. Well, I can attest to the fact that it's catching on based on the number of decoys like that that I saw move out of the exhibition area in Nashville. People were buying those things up like crazy. And we sold out first day. I believe it. I believe it. But I don't know. I've seen the videos of it. It looks just incredibly exciting. I didn't, know that, I didn't know there was ever a way that you could make turkey hunting more exciting than it than it is just going out in the woods and calling one in. But that is a way to make turkey hunting more exciting. But dang, man, is the risk worth the reward? That's something you got to decide for yourself. Like I said, the first time I saw it, it I'm always, you know, a manufacturer and a call company. We've been around a long time. And oh, yeah. We don't we don't put out, we try very hard not to put out gimmicks or just because we can sell something. We Absolutely. try to get something that the hunter will find value in. And there's still people over there in your area in, in Alabama that won't use the decoy. It's a personal choice. Like I said, you've yeah. got to be careful, but you got to be careful turkey hunting anyway. That's uh, true. Young guys are a lot more apt to try this because it is different, more exciting. But, you know, it's whatever, whatever makes you happy. We're getting ready to go in turkey season. I'm not going to use it every time I hunt. Right. But there will be times that I will use. It's probably not the best to use in the woods. But it may work better in field where you got a lot to see a long way. But right. it's incredible. It so impressed me that I, it was so exciting. And it's just something that I thought some turkey hunters would enjoy and, and help make them successful. That we came back in late May and launched this product or started working on this product. And I'm going to tell you, in, in our business, it usually takes a solid year of working and developing and going back and forth to develop any new product, even right. simple. It just takes a year. By the time you get the product right, you get samples done, you get uh, packaging and all this, and all this stuff is made overseas. So, it's just you know, you're dealing with the uh, time you place an order, you're dealing with 90 days before you actually get it at the minimum. So to launch one in late May, to start one and be able to launch it within six months was a huge effort. And right. But this is something that has caught on, and, and like I said, it, it, it's not for everyone, but it's going to help a lot of people be successful. Guys hunt with buddies. You know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to add a lot of fun and enjoyment to your season, but you got to be careful. Right, right. Well, and you hit the nail on the head when you said turkey hunting is just dangerous on its own, and, you know, I think that, quite honestly, that is my one and only concern with a product like that is the safety part of it, because... And I know you've seen it too, Jimmy. And if you live in the deep south, if you live in Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Tennessee, Louisiana, I don't care if you're on private land. There's somebody has stepped across the property line in the last 15, 10, 15, 7 days, or even 15 minutes. And that's what scares me about it. And like I said, I'm not judging anybody that wants to use it because, heck yeah, man, go look at the videos on YouTube for anybody that's not seen those decoys being used. And you can uh, look on YouTube at what Jimmy said, turkey fanning, or some people call it turkey reaping, R-E-A-P-I-N-G, that kind of thing. And dang, I mean, to have a turkey come running up to you out in a field that's literally like jimmy said two three feet from you yeah I, I i can't think of much else in this world that would be more exciting than that and in those big fields like that unless you're hunting in a state that allows for rifle hunting 
heck, you probably don't have much to lose or much to be concerned about as far as the safety is concerned. It just scares me to use it in an area where I know that there's a turkey hunter, and I'm exaggerating when I say it, but behind every tree or sitting well, against every tree. Like, yeah, like I said, that was my first reaction to it when I saw it and the danger part of it, but there's danger in any turkey decoy that you could get caught up in a shot pattern or whatever along right. the decoy. Because normally the person, that, if, if somebody comes in on you and shoots your decoy, it's going to be shooting it from the opposite side you're the on. Side. Yep. So, yeah. So, anyway, it's just yeah. something, you, you, you know, you got you to decide for yourself and not something that's gonna, that you would use in every situation. But there will be times that, you know, you're hunting a little small pocket of woods on the edge of a field that that would be ideal where nobody could approach you, you know, without you knowing it. So, you know, you just got to know yeah. where you're hunting who's around you what kind of place you got so right right yeah the, and it goes it should go without saying but i'm going to say it anyway and i my listeners probably getting tired of hearing me say it be careful and don't do something yeah. that you're going to regret you cannot unsqueeze that trigger once it's squeezed and Absolutely. you can't control Absolutely. the people who are around you and so you just keep safety in the back of your mind again i'm not saying don't use these decoys because that would be like you telling me don't drive down the road because there's a risk of being in a car accident every time you do it. Yeah. Well, or don't don't use a, a climbing stand when yeah. you deer hunt because it could fall down the tree with you and you could get hurt. It, it, exactly. You know, hunting, hunting, is, hunting is not the safest sport. We dropped the call, and it was right in the middle of Jimmy and me having a good conversation about safety and being out in the woods and that kind of thing. And, and so I just want to touch on it again for just a second. We'll wrap that up, that part of the conversation up. But I'm not going to tell somebody not to do something in the in the woods just because of what we were just talking about. It's Inherently, it's a dangerous sport. You just always be cognizant. Keep it in the back of your mind anytime, whether you're using decoys or Heck, like I said, even if you're on your own property with a shotgun and you're calling to a turkey, you don't know who's coming in on the other side of that turkey if somebody is. And just be careful out there because you can't take anything back. You can't take back a shot once it goes off. And That's, uh, that's right. I mean, that's, uh, it's something that's always got to be in your mind whenever you're hunting anything. That's true. And, and no, I don't think turkey hunting or deer hunting or anything is more dangerous than getting in your vehicle and driving to work every day. Yeah. You know, I but, think that's the most dangerous thing we do every single day. But, you know, of all the things we hunt, turkeys, as far as safety and inherent danger, is probably at the top of the list. You're calling, you're making the sound of the game that people are hunting, you're in full camo, you don't have hunter orange on, you know, right. there's just, so there's so many things that you have to, that you have to keep in mind as far as, as being careful. And uh, turkey hunting like this, top of the list of, uh, of being safety conscious. Absolutely. Well, we've been talking for a good while, and I appreciate your time. I'm glad I got you on the ride from Mississippi to Birmingham because I got a good bit of time with you. But we're going to wrap this thing up here very shortly. I'm going to ask you to tell us a story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and the one or two things that really led you to having success on those hunts. And that's a question I ask everybody that I get on the show. The reason I ask it is because basically... We learn from our successes and our failures, and we learn from other people's successes and failures, too. So that's why we want to hear about it. All right. Well, of course, I, I talked briefly about some of my most recent last year's hunt, but uh-huh. probably the one that I was the proudest of was in Mississippi, killing a long beard that we had hunted a couple of times. 
and, and we did it by just being patient and knowing the woods and setting up in a good spot to, to start calling that turkey from. This was this was the turkey that I didn't use a decoy. We've been talking about decoys all morning, but I did not yeah. use a decoy. I had three gobblers. There was one gobbler that was, you know, how they gobble from the same general area every year, every time right. wow. And he was an older gobbler, had, as it turned out, had about an inch and three-eighths inch spurs. And he was gobbling, and we heard him from, gosh, I want to say almost a mile. He was crossing hills, valleys. We crossed creeks. We crawled, crawled down gullies to get in behind him. And then by the time we got there, a couple of other gobblers had come in. We heard them coming. They came to mm-hmm. where he was gobbling from, and they just sat there and gobbled. And for a couple of hours, and me and the camera guy, we just sat there, called every once in a while, very lightly, scratched leaves, you know, like a turkey, like a hen would do if she was feeding around. And right. every time we do it, they gobble. And then finally, we just shut up. Said, well, this turkey, he, like I said, told you before, they, they'll wait for the hen to come to him. So we just shut up. And we, we, right before we did it, we jumped up, ran back about 50, 60 yards, called this call, and then Ran right back to where we were, got that back up. In 30 minutes, we didn't say a word. And all of a sudden, finally, we see them coming, the three gobblers coming to us. And mm-hmm. they heads up, they were looking, and we waited till they got within gun range. I think it was about 40 yards. That's all about all I could stand and uh, and, and <laughs> shot, shot the biggest one. So that was probably our most memorable hunt of last year. We were hunting in a place that turkey's been hunted before. We had it all to ourselves, but they, they was, we didn't have a lot of two-year-olds. We were hunting three- and four-year-old turkeys, which are the hardest right. ones, as you know, to kill. So that that was a real thrill and a real sense of uh, accomplishment that, that, that I got. Absolutely. You know those those two-year-olds make us feel like we're the best turkey hunters in the world, but there's something to matching wits with those three, four-year-old birds and having a good, long conversation with them and a, a nice, challenging hunt. And you know, there right. are many there are many turkey hunters out there that have wasted a whole, I, I say wasted, they've gone a whole season hunting an old bird like that. And sometimes, you know, I, I hate to say this, but when we're trying to produce videos, TV shows, whatever, we run into those old birds, too. And mm-hmm. he'll got me gobbling his head off, and we'll just say, well, let's, there he is again. Let's go find another one. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's just some turkeys you ain't, you're just never going to shoot. You're never going to get them. It's true. It's true. Jimmy, I've said that many times, and I'm not, I don't have a film crew with me. Yeah. <laughs> there's that bird that's been there for the past three that's, years, and we're going to leave him and go over to this other yeah. bird. We may come back to him if we can't find anything else, but we're not going to waste all morning looking to try to get him. Exactly. Well, you know, I appreciate you coming on, and I like to give everybody that comes on the show a chance to talk about what they're up to. You know, most of the people that come on the show are representing a company similar to what you're doing with Primos, and so I'd, I'd like for you to tell us what's going on at Primos these days, what you guys are up to, what kind of new products you have out there that may help us be a little bit more successful this year, and if you got anything that's coming up, kind of a sneak peek without giving away any trade secrets. Well, you know, we always bring out new products. We've been real successful in every, in most of the hunting categories from elk. Primos is the number one game call company as far as the number of elk calls we sell. And we're from Mississippi, and people ask us, what do you know about elk being from Mississippi? What do you know about call? I tell them, 
and me and Will, we used to have elk in Mississippi when we were growing up. We just killed them all. So, you know, we, you know, so we, we got duck and, and deer and turkey, and we've got new calls in all those categories. And like I said, Primo's tries to bring out products that'll hold up, that won't fall apart on you, even, you know, a, a drug call that costs you 10, 12 bucks. Well, a lot, some people say, well, you know, don't, don't worry about it if it only lasts you one season. Well, we try to put a lot of quality in everything we do because Will and I, we're hunters, and we appreciate quality ourselves, so we try to put every, feed all our customers like that. Last week, right. I was predator hunting, Mississippi. Predator hunting got to be a big, big thing all over the country. And mm-hmm. we've got a great lineup, lineup of electronic callers that really do well. And people, you know, everybody's got problems with cows and barmen, predators that are messing up their turkeys. The greatest right. thing you can do for your turkey population anywhere is control your predators. Not just your cows, you know, bobcats, you know, horrible on turkeys. They'll kill turkeys just for the sheer joy like a cat killing. Right. Coons, things like that. That that is the greatest thing you can do to help your turkey. And so more and more people are realizing that and getting into predator hunting and we've got a big line of that. Got a whole new selection of ground blind. Ground blinds Andy for teaching young people how to hunt, especially turkey. You know, young kids, they have usually have a hard time sit still. So you put them in a ground blind where they can be comfortable. You give them a Game Boy or their cell phone where they can go on the internet or whatever. And you don't want to lose their attention. You don't want them to get bored. Ground blinds are great. And we Primo's got, of course, we own Double Bull, Cadillac Ground Blind. We've got a couple of new ones, one called Shock, Shack Attack. Uh-huh. And it's a great blind for two people, especially if you're going, you know, some people want to bow hunt turkey. I've always thought turkey hunting was a shotgun sport, but you got these bow hunters that you got these ground blinds. They're great for hunting turkeys. And, and the decoys we're talking about, positioning a turkey for a shot when you're using uh, archery equipment is, is no doubt the best way to go. Right, yeah. There's a lot of people using those and bow hunting out of them. And I actually talked to a gentleman yesterday who's from Minnesota, and he's gotten into bow hunting turkeys without the blinds. And, man, that's a challenge. That, that's a real Big challenge. I've, I've seen it done, but, you know, and, and I know a guy from Florida that bow hunts them without a blind, and he uses one of our Jake decoys, and he waits for those turkeys or real close to it and like i've told you before those turkeys get fixated and they, there's a little area about five feet around them that they don't pay much attention to anything outside that area so he, he's been able to be successful doing that right yeah well good deal well i appreciate you coming on and sharing information with us today about decoying and i've certainly learned a lot and I've, i'm sure there are several listeners out there that have learned a great deal as well you have any final tips that you want to give us before well, we cut loose yes sir the only thing I've learned all many years that I've been hunting them, and Will and I, is there's only one thing you can make a gobbler do, and that's die. That's the only thing you can make him do. That's true. Yep. Anytime people ask me what they can do to kill a turkey, I tell them, go turkey hunting. <laughs> Just go at, go at it. That's right. you you got to get out there. got to get out there and get after it. If you don't, you're not going to kill one sitting at the house. Well, Jimmy, I really appreciate it again, and like I said, I think we've gotten a lot of great information from you, a lot of good tips about decoying, and anybody that's interested in purchasing some decoys, take a good, long, hard look at Primo's line of decoys, and like Jimmy said, their products are built to last, and, and they do, and I don't I don't think anybody would be disappointed buying one of them, and so I appreciate it, and Jimmy, I'm going to end the recording now, and I'm going to get you to hang on just a second. I got one last favor to ask of you. Take about two or three minutes. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jimmy. Yes. 
All right. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys got as much out of that interview as I did. Having gone back and listened to it now a couple of times, I've got some good nuggets that I can use going forward and some things that I think will really help me in the spring woods. And I'm going to give decoys another couple of chances. Now that we're getting into the late season, I think that decoying might be a little bit more productive for me. So I'm going to give it a shot probably this weekend. So I'm doing a new segment of each episode called Ask the Turkey Hunter, where you guys are submitting questions to askandy at iamturkeyhunting.com. And I'm going to pick one of those questions each week to read and answer on the show. And, and if I get a whole lot of really good questions, then maybe once a month I'll start doing a question and answer show to where that's all I do is read your questions and answer them on the show. And if I don't know the answer to the question, then I'll get somebody on the show who does. So with all that being said, this week I have a question from Matt Kinzer who says, I live in Rock Hill, South Carolina, but hunt in Union, South Carolina. This is my first turkey season. I hunt with my father-in-law on 40 acres of private land with 20 acres of pines and 10 acres of open tall grass, the last 10 being the owner's yard. We are the only ones that hunt it. My question is this, is 40 acres too small? Should we hunt separate or would it be better to hunt as a team? Thanks for all your help, and congrats on your Sunday turkey. Thanks for listening to the show, Matt. Thank you for the question. You know, you're very fortunate in that you're able to hunt some private land. You're able to actually hunt that with someone who is important to you, being your father-in-law. And I'm going to answer your last question first. Should we hunt separate, or would it be better to hunt as a team? Well, I'm going to tell you to do both. There's going to be some days when you're going to want to hunt together. Early in the season, my experience is there's not a lot of leaves on the trees, not a lot of leaves on the underbrush, and the woods are very open, which makes it difficult to kill turkeys because the turkeys can see so well. So in that circumstance, I find that hunting as a team actually works better because the shooter can get in front of the caller by 20 to 30 yards and that way if the turkey happens to hang up because he can see 60 70 yards into the woods and he knows there's not a hen there where the calling is coming from a lot of times they'll hang up there so if you've got a shooter that's 20 to 30 yards ahead of the caller and that turkey hangs up 70 yards from the caller the shooter is within range of that turkey now of course that's a circumstance that you got to be very careful of because if that turkey comes in from a different angle and comes between the caller and the shooter you've got to be very careful not to get in a situation where the caller becomes the shooter and the shooter is in the line of fire and remember last week or a couple of weeks ago I had Josh Carney on here and that is exactly how Josh was injured so be very careful with that So I would tell you probably early in the season, start out and hunt together. And then maybe later in the season, you guys would want to separate. And that way you kind of increase the odds of one of you having success. And what I would tell you is pick a spot where the turkeys are moving through or they're feeding or they're roosting. And one of you sit there and another one of you find another location where you can sit to where you're a good distance apart. You don't have to worry about an accident happening that way and so your second question is 40 acres too small to hunt and the answer to that is no 
these small tracts of land can be very productive. It's often a situation to where you'll get on that small tract of land and the turkeys may not be anywhere in the same zip code as that tract one day, but the next day you may have three turkeys roosted on it gobbling like crazy and they may fly down and spend two hours on that 40 acres. So depending on what kind of food sources are there, that's going to have a lot to do with how many turkeys you have on the property and how much time those turkeys spend on that property. So go and hunt those 40 acres, hunt it together, and enjoy your time in the woods together and the friendship that you're sure to build turkey hunting. There's nothing like it for bringing people together, and I've got a lot of friendships that have developed and revolve around turkey hunting. So enjoy your father-in-law's company. I know he's going to enjoy yours. You guys get out in the woods, hunt that 40 acres, and don't forget to send me a selfie after you shoot him. You can send the selfie to pix at iamturkeyhunting.com. That's pix at iamturkeyhunting.com. Matt, thank you again for the question. I really appreciate it. I thank you for listening to the show. And if I can ever help you with anything else, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email or give me a call. I'm happy to help out in any way I can. Good luck to you guys this season. Okay, next week I have Cuz Strickland from Mossy Oak that's going to be joining us. And Cuz and I are going to be discussing habits and patterns of wild turkeys. That's a show that you're not going to want to miss. Cuz is another one of those great guys and quite a personality in the hunting industry as well. And he is a turkey hunting and turkey killing machine. So you're going to want to catch the next episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast next week. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. As season opens up for you around the country, I wish you much success. Don't forget to send those pictures in to PIX at IamTurkeyHunting.com. Don't forget to be safe out there. Okay, so with that, I'm signing off. I really appreciate you tuning in. I know you guys have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye.
Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.